BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is brought to you by the IBCLC Private Practice Essential Toolkit. Use code PODCAST for 10% off at paperlessibclc.com slash toolkit. I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice. Let's dive in. Well, hey, Leah, how are you? Hey, Annie, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm really good. I'm super excited for our topic today, documentation. Yes, Yes, this is such a good topic because I think it's an area where a lot of lactation consultants struggle, especially if you didn't come from a medically trained background. This is kind of all foreign and we don't have requirements through our coursework to you have to take medical documentation, which leads a lot of us kind of figuring it out on our own or trying to find information out there. So I know we're not like the end-all be-all authorities on this, but I sure hope that we can kind of share what we've learned through the years and figured out along the way. Definitely. And just, we'll get this out of the way. This is for you, whether you are doing things with pen and paper or whether you're paperless or you're somewhere in between. So we're, we're yes. really hoping to address all the different ways that you might be keeping track of things during a client visit. So before Absolutely. we do that, Leah, I love your marketing tips. What am I going to be doing this week to make my private practice better? This is kind of a reminder for everyone about, we're going to be talking about documentation. Part of your documentation is sending out those reports of your visits and remembering that that is part of your market, like a a very powerful marketing tool for you because it's keeping the work that we do in front of people who might not ever know we're doing this work behind the scenes unless the mom were to tell the pediatrician or her OB that she saw us, no one would know. And they need to know both for documentation, but also because it's great that they know they have this resource. We show our knowledge through those reports. So we build 
our credibility. And I think it's a really powerful marketing tool. And one way you can help it be even more powerful is to make sure that you have a clear logo on your uh, report and sending over a fax cover that has your logo. If you're using a fax cover, making sure that also has your logo. So there's just those peak reminder of like, oh, I've seen this before. When somebody sees a logo repetitively like that, that's what kind of starts to stick Mm -hmm. in their mind. And so it can be really powerful to just have that on every single thing that you're sending over. And I think that we can really boost our presence just by doing what we already have to do. That's a great tip and a great reason to get that logo done if you haven't done it already, whether you yes. have you know, found somebody on like Fiverr, or one of those websites or worked with a friend or just like hacked around in Canva yourself. Yeah, there's, something. there's some really wonderful tools out there for just kind of creating simplistic logos for yourself or amazing resources online to where you can find a pretty inexpensive graphic designer to something up for you. And really, if you have a vision, it's super helpful. That's what I did with, with ours. I have seen some gorgeous logos um, when I've been working with people. And if you really want to see, I'm just going to be embarrassed somebody, but Donnelly Robinson has an amazing logo on her website at lavenderlactation.com. So I don't know the designer she worked with, but it is just, every time I looked at it, I was like, that is a great logo. So anyway, Donnelly, you got a great logo. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Well, let's start talking about documentation. It's a juicy topic because like I said, I think it's, it's a hard one for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about our reporting episode, I think we talked about why reports are so important, but I, I really feel like it ties so much into why the charting is so well, important. Right. You can't have a report without a chart. And I think like to start, we should just kind of essentially define what charting is because it is something that when I first got started, I, I wasn't quite clear on what I what was supposed exactly to do. So, yeah. you know, I... I knew that I needed to be keeping track of certain things. And and I started out just thinking, well, these are things that I need to remember. So when my client emails me and has a question about what happened during the visit, I can refer back to my notes and, and see what I told her and what we worked on. And then as I got further and further into my private practice and I was learning more and I'm realizing I actually have, a, there's a lot more that I need to be documenting. Um, right. It's not just things for me to remember because I also have to remember that they can ask to see their chart, at least here in the US. You know, we've got, and I actually believe that is true for other countries are where you have even more freedom of access to your personal information. Realizing that my client could ask for their chart at any point. I don't think I even knew that I had that right to ask my doctor. I know, I know. I didn't know. So then thinking, wow, like, how am I writing this? What if this baby is, grows up and says, I want to know what happened when I was a baby and they request their charts and what are they going to say? Yeah. I wrote down and I, and then I went and took a nap. <laughs> and oh, it's so overwhelming. I, was learning. I know it was a little My scary. beating a little faster right now. <laughs> so like, what are the main reasons that we have to chart our visits just from a code of professional conduct point of view, just to be a good IBCLC? Why are we documenting what happens during a visit? 
Well, definitely it backs up what we've recommended. So we're putting down what our observations are, what our assessment is, what our impression is. And we have our recommendations are then backed up with all of those other pieces that we put together to figure out this puzzle. And so I think that's a really big aspect of it is that, yeah, you can send a care plan, but then if somebody's like, well, why are we doing X, Y, Z? You have that written down and backing up your plan. A lot of people use the SOAP note format. I know there are different other different acronyms that all, you know, pretty much do the same thing, but SOAP is an acronym that stands for subjective, which means what the client is telling you is happening. So my baby isn't gaining enough weight or it hurts when I breastfeed. You're talking about things like what symptoms is she recording to you? My nipples are bleeding or my baby's uh, urine is concentrated. You know, all whatever those subjective things, what they're telling you happened. Right. It can also include the history, what they, what happened during the birth, how was the pregnancy, what's going on, you know, in these early days of life. And then objective are the things that you are recording. So what do you see? What do you feel? What do you hear? That's where you put a feeding re- exam, you know, what right. happened during the feeding. And this um, is where you might in- be including more concrete, like, okay, the baby's having five stools a day, or the breasts are are hard in this area and soft in this area, you know, like more very detailed information about what you're exactly seeing. Right. And so like, if the baby poops, when you're there, you can write down what the stool looked like. And then when you get to the assessment, you're saying, what do you think is going on? And that's a super critical part. And this is where we say, you know, we're not diagnosing. I hope everybody listening knows that diagnosis is outside of our scope of practice, at least from a medical point of view, but we can absolutely say things like, I believe there may be a possible fill in the blank that we think that's what's going on. Why we are recommending this client do anything without an assessment. What reason is there to give the P, which is the plan. So you have to have an understanding of the situation from the client's point of view. You have to make your own objective observations. You have to make some decisions. It's also called medical decision-making when you're in the U.S. What do you think is actually happening? You have to choose from different courses that you could take based on what you think is happening. And then you have to tell the client what they're going to do next, which will include coordinating care with their other healthcare providers. Right. And this is so important also when we're talking about why are we documenting from certainly an ethical standpoint, but also if you're doing anything with insurance companies and really, even if you're not in network with insurance companies, if there's an out-of-network claim, they might also request to see your documentation if the family is pushing for that out-of-network claim. And that's also where when you think about, oh, somebody else could be reading this, that's in the US, that's who else could be reading it are the insurance companies. So it needs to be clearly understood. We also need to have things documented for liability purposes. So I know super common situation because this is something that, you know, we talk about all the time when we're together as lactation consultants, where we are super clear with our clients. Here is your care plan. I want you to supplement your baby this much. I want you to make sure you do this. And then they don't do it. And then they, you might see them, oh my gosh, this is the one that kills me. When you see them posting in some breastfeeding group on social yes, media, where you're like, like, I told you what to do. I know. But you can't, yes. don't, by the way, 
don't respond. Don't ever respond don't to ever that. Don't ever respond. Ever, 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 ever. But, nope. you know, like the worst thing that can happen though, is if we are working with a baby who's in trouble and we're telling parents that they need to supplement. And I think one of the, the things that can happen is that if they don't follow our recommendations to supplement and the baby ends up hospitalized for dehydration, we need to have it documented that we told the baby to supplement, that we told the pediatrician the baby needed to be supplemented because we can't control what they do with what we tell them. But if we tell them something, we've got to write it down that we told them. Yeah. I always liked the adage. I don't know. I've heard this throughout the years is like, it didn't happen unless you write it down. Yep. Like you can just pretend like you didn't do any of that unless you wrote it down. So that's one way to know what should I put in my chart? <laughs> just yes. know whatever you want to make sure happened in your visit. That's what you're writing down. Everything that you recommended and, and everything that actually happened in the visit. So that word, everything is, that's the problem, right? Because yes. what like, are we, we're totally to have... losing our minds trying yes. to Yes, like done. 10 pages later, I have written down every word that came out of my mouth in the entire yeah visit, which, you know, is definitely overkill. Although I think sometimes in the beginning, it's helpful to do more until you really hone your skills in because more is better than less, I would say. But I think over the years, then you kind of figure out what is strategically going to be the biggest points that I need to share here. And here's where I think we're all really struggling, at least from my perspective, or at least, I mean, I've been struggling, but even reading, there was an article that came out recently. I, I don't remember what it is, but we'll try to look it up and put it in the show notes that was talking about the challenges that doctors are facing and how they're staying up till all hours yes, trying to get their it's charting It's not done. just us. It's no. not just us. It is a problem and that you're not alone. Yeah, so let's definitely. we can try to figure out how to make it more manageable. So like when you're using paper charts, there is a speed with paper charts that I think really can't be replicated when you go into an electronic charting system. Because if you're just like checking boxes on a form and it's all like pretty standardized and, and right there, that can feel like it's really fast. But with that, you can lose a lot of nuance because if that little space where you have to write something is too small, you're probably not going to write more than that. Or if you do, it's going to end up on a you know different piece of paper and right. you're, you might not end up ever typing that up to send it to the pediatrician. So the problem with electronic charting is that like, you've got all this space and freedom and <laughs> write everything down write and you could literally write a book. And then you're, you're thinking, well, how do I do this during the consult? Or you might say, I'm not going to do this during the consult. I don't want to be on a screen during the consult, but then I'm just going to make paper notes and then you have to put them into your chart later. And what I, what I hear is happening is that that's where people are getting hung up. It's like, I have to sit down and type this dang chart. Yeah. And why am I doing this? It's so hard. Multiple steps. So much time. Yeah. Yeah. And those multiple steps are, are really where... I think we can shave off time. I think this is going to be a necessary evil for all of our time sucking things in our yeah. life. You know, it's just one of those ones that's going to take time. But I think where we can shave off is the duplication of the work that you're doing. I think that's an area that I found most impactful on the work that I'm doing, where my chart is my report and it's all going in at the same time. So I'm not having an additional step of mm -hmm. then creating 
the secondary documentation, which is your report. So. And I think a lot of the electronic platforms can do that for you. I know Mobile Lactation Consultant can do that for you and Charm can do that for you. And even Jane can do that for you if you set your templates up the right way. And I think having that mindset of you're not duplicating work, you are writing the chart for to be read by whoever might need to read it. And the other thing you can do is just to remember that while every family that we see is nuanced and individual and unique and beautiful and has all the subtleties, that stuff maybe doesn't all need to go on your chart because really what, from a documentation point of view, there are only a handful of things that people are seeing us for. And so you can set those up as templates in your charting document or as quick text in, you know, that you save in Google Docs or in your auto text on your operating system or in an app like Phrase Express, which is like not working so well anymore, but I still love it. I still use it or whatever it is. But to say, you know, yes, she's telling me all of the things you're giving her, all the empathy for what she's feeling. But at the end of the day, what you really need to write down was how many times did the baby eat? Right. And you just don't, you don't necessarily need to put in like her entire, that piece of paper she hands you like, <laughs> yeah. her phone with like all of the breakdown. Like, and we're, some of the times they show those to me and I'm like, I can't make, I can't do this math in my head. Like how, I know. I don't know how many times you ate. It, it, it feels like it almost stresses me out because they'll be like, okay, my little app told me that on Sunday, the baby ate for three hours and 16 minutes, but then on Monday only ate for two hours and 40 minutes. Like, what does that mean? What does and that I, mean? I don't know what that I, means. I don't know. I actually don't know what that means. But it's so funny because it's almost like it induces this other layer of stress that I'm like, do we really need to have that detailed information? And sometimes you'll decide what information needs to be added because it stands out. You know, if the mom's like, the baby was feeding for three hours and 24 hours Monday, and then Wednesday only fed for 30 minutes. Okay, that needs to be documented, yeah. you know? So you have to use some judgment there on like, okay, this is pertinent information. This is mom just wanting to share her experience, her wanting to share what is going on, how hard this transition is for her. And that's wonderful because we're present for that, but that might not be what you want to take up the time documenting all the little details about that if it's not significant to what you feel like is going on in the visit. Right. Like if they're telling you to use the same example, okay, well, my baby started eating at five and ate for 15 minutes and then was fussy and I gave the right breast and then, then she slept for 10 minutes and then I gave the left breast for 10 more minutes and then she cried. So she's going through like the blow by blow and you're right. listening. You're not needing to write down all those times. You're listening for what is the old big picture story she's telling right. Her baby cluster fed from seven to 10 or whatever right, it is. Right. Write down. And so you start to think about what, what kind of decisions are you going to need to be making with this information? So if it's cluster feeding, that's cluster feeding. But if she's telling you, my baby has eaten every 20 minutes for the last three days, and then you, yeah. and then you ask, has your baby ever gone a longer stretch? And she says, no. No. Then you're that's, like, document that. <laughs> that's something else. That's a totally different picture. So just trying to yeah. take a little step back and saying, to start to do a little bit of filtering. 
Right. Yeah. So I think it, that's really powerful. I totally did not do that in the beginning. I was literally writing down the play by play. I was writing everything down. That was when we were doing paper charts too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. It was intense. It was so much, so much writing. And then I, I had a really hard time in filtering that into a doctor's report. Cause it was like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to take all this information and make it concise when I don't even know what, but over time you really hone in what is the most pertinent information. And what I have found is that I think of it like each family's a puzzle and you have all these different pieces and generally puzzles all have very similarly shaped pieces for most standard puzzles. <laughs> But the way they all fit together and the picture that they create is different for every family. But those little individual pieces are pretty standardized. And so, you know, when we're talking about feeding frequency, how you would word that is going to be pretty standard. Mother reports, babies feeding typically eight times per day. Something like that is pretty standard like template that you're going to have where you could change the numbers up, but how you word that is really standard. That's a great way. I love that metaphor because you're so right that you can have all these different pieces that make a different picture and then you can to expand on bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in virginia turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code champion 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. That You can think of who is the picture for. So one you've got the pictures for the care provider. So you want to make sure that they can see the picture. So sometimes getting too granularly focused on things that are like super fascinating to us, like number of jaw excursions in, you know, in a sucking bird, like that's so amazing. Maybe nobody is interested in that. Or is that an actionable piece of documentation? Or is it sufficient to say inadequate jaw excursions? Right. Or, or disorganized suck pattern. Right. You know what I mean? So that's, is that enough information where when the pediatrician sees it to understand that something is going wrong or are you dealing with a really a situation that's about to become super medicalized and you do need to have like some really crazy detailed detailed stuff because you need something really crazy medical to happen. So you make that decision, you know, likewise, your client's going to be looking at this. If she ever requests to see her chart, you're not going to want to be, you're really not going to be careful to say things like just how you're talking about what her breasts look like or what is going on with her baby, you know, just like thinking like, how much, like, could this hurt her if she saw it? Right. Um, or just how you word things, you know, just how you word things. Yeah. I and think so that's really keeping important. things kind of vague, you know, say you have an anxious client and maybe she does want to request her chart right away. And you've got all this super mega detail 
where she might look at that and be like, oh, oh my, my gosh, gosh something's, something's wrong terrible with wrong. <laughs> is terribly wrong. So, and I'm not arguing against doing some of those that, you know, reporting on those things or observing those things or just thinking about like, is this something that is going to be beneficial for the client? Is it something that's required for what I'm recommending or what I need to document for insurance? Or, and if it's not, I would say it's okay to just summarize. Yeah. Summarize. And are those big picture statements? Do you need this detail in order for the necessary decisions to be made? Are you going to need this detail if she comes back to you with questions about what happened? Is the pediatrician going to need this detail in order to make a decision about this baby's care? And if the answer is no, summarize. Yeah, I like that. I like that approach. And coming back to my thoughts on, you know, this puzzle analogy that I was thinking of, it's really powerful if we think about it in broken down pieces like that, because this could help with your efficiency, because then you can have either standard phrases or standard templates for the phrases that you most commonly chart with. Like when I'm charting about our latch, I kind of have the same sentence. I always write for I assisted mother in achieving a comfortable latch through blah, 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 you know, whatever technique we used. And then I'll say something about the baby was organized and efficient, or the baby was disorganized or slow. So it's a very standard sentence. Oh, actually, it's like two sentences. So I just have text expander for that. And then I just change just a couple of words in the whole thing, but the whole sentence is written already for me because I say it in the same way on every single chart. And yeah. but it's important information because I wanna I wanna remember what latching approaches we were using. And then I wanna remember what my impression of the baby's feeding at the breast was. And I also want to have that statement in my report. So for me, this is an important couple of sentences. So I made a text expander out of that. And using that and then putting different ones together that kind of like are those different little puzzle pieces. So I might use a one on a mom who has a plug duct that I wouldn't use on a mom who doesn't have a plug duct, but it's like that little puzzle piece. So I'm going to plug that text expander in. Once I get done plugging all these little text expanders in, I have a whole picture made, but I didn't have to sit there and type out 20 sentences to make my assessment or my, what I was seeing through the visit. But yeah, any of those really auto helpful. text they're going to save your life. You really need yes, to have them, I them up them. in any platform. And it's worth saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to take one consult chunk so and not do, see a client, but I'm just going to sit and I'm going to put my protocols into text expanders or auto text or into my charting platform. You can use the lactation reminders and mobile lactation consultant. Yes. You can make a template in Charm. You can make another a template in Jane. Whatever it is, take that time. You can make in Google Docs, you can do it. And sometimes you can even kind of know in advance, well, I'm definitely going to be saying this, that, and the other, and you can get it, start slipping things in there while the baby's having their diaper changed. It's a great time to throw some, do some copying and pasting. Yeah. You know, and like I really feel like it's a great guide to have some kind of templates because, you know, those babies dictate our visits and you might walk in and the baby's screaming their head off and you don't get to go through your normal procedure that helps you stay on track and not miss anything. So when you have those templates, it really helps me to, okay, I'm hitting all the high points. I always want to make sure I hit when I'm not because you get distracted, like something crazy yeah, is happening forget. and you're like, oh gosh, I need to go over this or I need to make sure. And so I love 
having the templates and the then the text expanders that are on. I use MLC and I use both Phrase Express and I used to mostly use that for my care plans, but then I use just the Apple keyword thing has uh-huh. been so fast and it also goes onto my phone too. So if I'm ever like speed charting on my phone for some reason, I can can use that as well. And it's all still there, you know, so I really I like love that. It. I over. I am a super big fan of any kind of thing that lets you copy and paste or write stuff. I, I use Phrase Express because it, it pops up on my keyboard and I can just like zip, zip, throw it in there. And I have my protocols all written out. So like if somebody, for example, has uh, nipple damage, I just give them here's my standard nipple damage protocol. Yes. It doesn't, and I'm like, that's something where it doesn't need to be individualized. Like there's really right. only a handful of things you're going to do for your nipple damage. So here they are. Right. These. And I have it written in such a way where I can, if there's one on there where I'm like, I, I actually don't want her doing that. So like, for example, it'll talk about the silverettes or whatever, but maybe she already has them or there's, it's not the right situation for them. I can just delete that. Yeah, it's easier to delete something. And so I would encourage you guys to think about what you're kind of what's easy for you and what's hard for you. So for me, hard for me is writing by hand. I have terrible handwriting. I can't read it afterwards. My hand cramps. I can't keep up. I can't (laughs) decipher my notes. What also for me is just way easier than using a visual template like in Mobile Lactation Consultant or Jane or even in Charm is I'm just a really fast typer. I'm just, I'm a lightning fast typer and it's so much easier for me to sit and take notes and I can do it without looking. I can make eye contact with the mom. I can offer empathy. I can, while touch typing, and that's just because I was a Hollywood assistant for years and my boss would like <laughs> make me dictated letters to me all Maybe day long. what all so, of IBCLCs need, need to, to go, go work like for, have a yes. stint over there for training purposes. I mean, <laughs> that really helped me. But so th- I recognize like that's easy for me, but that's not easy for everyone. But if you are a fast typer, I would recommend just maybe do some speed typing lessons and try to think about like that. And I will say this too, our families really are not going to have the same feelings about us being on a screen during the visit as maybe you might, if you're not of that generation, you might have different feelings about manners and etiquette when it comes to looking on a phone or looking on a tablet while you're talking to somebody. And I just would let you know that they're not, they don't feel that way about it. So if you're going back and forth between that I'm looking into your eyes and I'm offering you empathy and I'm connecting and I'm here with you and then turning away to type something on the phone, they can handle that switching. They don't need, and they, it actually might help them feel more comfortable with you if there's actually a break where from you're not connection. from the intensity yeah. And, yeah. and they're really used to taking breaks by looking at a screen. So what you can do is though, if you're not a fast typer and you really want it to be templated out and visual and you've got to set it up in your charting platform, really get to know how mobile lactation consultant lays things out, get to set up your charm templates or your Jane templates so that you're really, I know where everything is on this template and I'm just tapping, filling things in. I'm typing a number here. I'm tapping that there. And so you can really get that done quickly. Quick. Yeah. And then saving that text expander stuff, that long stuff should be saved for your instructions. Like that is where we need to put a lot of detail in, make sure we're communicating to them what we want them to know, giving them the right links and resources to back up our recommendations. But really like thinking about just make it easier for yourself in the objective part, especially 
yeah, um, save yourself something. time there. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I like having the extra structure, but I could see where just kind of free writing can be really powerful if you are good at just taking notes and kind of going with the flow. I really have to think out like, what do I want to write down right now? So that guidance kind of gives me my brain a place to like, okay, I need to write down this. I need to write down this for this thing because I have such a tendency. I want to write out way more than is needed. So having those little templates really helps me narrow down what information I want to make sure I don't forget to or have documented on my chart. So when we're thinking about documentation, like we're kind of going there right now, it's like, okay, well, what is enough? Or what's too much? Or how do we know we've covered all our bases? What would you say to a, a new LC that's like, okay, well, how will I know that I've done it right? Or I've done enough? Or do I need to keep writing more? <laughs> I think you need to filter your decisions for documentation through three key points. I think you need to filter these through three key points. One is, will this chart lead my client to self-efficacy? So if she reads what I'm giving her, can she do what I want her to do? Can she understand it? Yeah, so, what you're recommending is understood. Exactly. Charting. And then number two, am I effectively coordinating care? with the other medical professionals who need to be involved in the care of this dyad. So are my, is my documentation going to be actionable? And number three, is it going to help me remember what happened when this family comes back to me and asks me questions? Yeah. So those are the three things that need to happen. Now, if you are doing, say you're doing research, or maybe you have a medical license and you're doing other things during a consult than an IBCLC without a medical license, or you're trying to you know, gather data for a research project, you're going to have additional requirements. But for most of us who are doing these, I'm going to call them straightforward lactation consultant, lactation no. visits, even though yeah. they're, not, they're not straightforward. Okay. Like I for totally sure. get every single <laughs> consult is insanely different and yes. goes a long way, but they are straightforward. Right. You're not, you're just not doing a whole lot. So in terms of where you're funneling this documentation towards, so to the client so that they can achieve self-efficacy with breastfeeding, to the other care providers so that they can make sure the baby or the parent gets what they need in order to be healthy and well. Right. And then finally for you so that you know how to follow up and provide that continued care for them. Right. And I, I like also to think of it, or I guess early on, this is something that somebody said to me, like, say you fell off the face of the earth tomorrow, could somebody pick up this chart and take over care with ease? Or would they have to start over and ask all the oh, questions and dig into yep. all the history? And that really helps me a lot of times think about, okay, I want to make sure that they have a really complicated history. And I want to make sure that I've, I add a few more sentences about this because it's pretty complex. Or is it super straightforward and uncomplicated, unmedicated vaginal delivery with 20 minutes of pushing? I'm just going to be super short on that. So that somebody could pick that up and, and confidently know, like, I have all the information I need to continue on with care with this family. So another filter I think that you could think about using That's as great. you go through and making sure that you hit those high points of what the mother told you, what you saw, 
what your impression or assessment of the situation is, and then really documenting our plan. Like, what did we tell them when you're putting it for the doctor's report? You might not have every single detail of the plan, but more like an overview. So I might say recommended supplementation at this volume, but I didn't put down, you know, they're going to supplement by bottle and we use paste bottle feeding, you know, like all these little bitty details that the parents need and want to know, but the doctor might not, you know, as they're skimming through, see all that, you know, so I think it, it can be helpful when you're, when you're charting to, again, of course, use our little protocols, but I know when I'm sending the family a triple feeding care plan, it's standard. I have a standard protocol. And so on my documentation, I'll have in the plan, triple feeding plan, you know, and I know what that means and other people do too. And then what I sent the parents was that standard plan. That's great. And I will say we're going to make a freebie for this episode and we'll have a link in the show notes. We're going to give you some abbreviations that you can use. These are standardized medical abbreviations commonly used that any doctor or nurse will be able to understand and interpret. And so we're going to give that to you as a freebie. Check the show notes for a link. Yes, because to that point, if you are charting and using a lot of your own shorthand, so say when a mom's using a nipple shield in your charting, how you document that is you push NS, NS, nipple shield this, nipple shield that. Well, if that's not a standardized medical documentation abbreviation, when we're coming back to that filter of could somebody pick this chart up and take over where you left off? Not if they don't know what NS means. Yes. You know, so either you need to have somewhere on the chart that when you write NS right next to it, you put nipple shield and then the rest of the time you can use that. But it has to be clear that your own personal abbreviations can't be used because it, it then leaves like, okay, well, what does this mean for this person, these three letters together? Great. Yeah, totally. I I'm definitely have been guilty of, of that. I like abbreviations. I know. Well, it's so nice to do the shorthand because you know what you mean, but nobody else is going to know what you mean. Yep. And for, you know, a mom picking up that chart, she might not understand that or an insurance company might not understand that. So we need to make sure that we're, we're explaining ourselves well. So Annie, as we wrap up today, I know you have a tech tip for us I that could probably help us with some documentation. <laughs> My tech tip is especially for those of you that like to be super, super detailed in what you're recording for the physical observation portion, especially feeding records. So when you really like to get in there and count sucks in a suck burst, all of that, I would recommend using voice memos for those. I love that. Because they don't necessarily need to be read. So if it's something where you're like, okay, the pediatrician doesn't actually need to know, but I want to know, I want to document it. You can take a voice memo. You can store it in, if you have G Suite, that's configured, um, if you're in the U.S. to be HIPAA compliant, or if it's configured to conform to privacy regulations, which it does very well, you can use Google Keep to store those as a link. And then you just put a link into the chart to where you've stored that audio. And then when you want to revisit it, you can listen to it, but you're not having to take time to transcribe it. And there's also, you can look around for HIPAA compliant voice memo apps. I've looked into a few. I haven't 
had a chance to really explore them deeply to know if we could recommend one, but there are some out there that seem affordable and easy to use. So I think especially for those- transcribe, is that that what you mean? Yes, they will take those voice memos. Some of them will transcribe, some won't, they'll just store it. But a couple of them I looked will actually type it out for you. So I would say, I know that a couple of you out there are really- wanting to keep track of this stuff. And I want you to keep track of this stuff because you have great things with it. This might actually save time because what you don't necessarily need to be doing is going home and writing all that stuff down that night into the chart. You have it recorded as a voice memo. It'll be accessible for you to get to later. And to that point with the voice memos, I've been known if I had a really crazy visit and I didn't get to write down as much as I wanted and I'm speeding off to my next visit, I will, as I'm driving, take a voice memo, no identifying information. I I know who it is because I'm going to write it down later. But right then when it's fresh in my mind, just like get all the key points that I want to make sure that I remember later on if I didn't get to do my normal charting. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you can, a lot of us can talk a lot faster than we can type or look things up on a template and you can store it that way. And so you could even maybe not have to record that actually type it out if it's something that isn't going to need to be seen in that level of detail by the pediatrician or the client. So I love that. Well, thank you so much for that tip because I'm just peeking my mind like, hmm, how could I incorporate some of that mm. as well? Because I really, really like that idea. And I love that you can put a link in. I had no idea. Annie, you always surprise me with your amazing tips. I'm going to I'm going to use this one as well every week. (laughs) Well, it has been a great chatting with you. This sure has. And I look forward to our next time together. Me too. Take care, Leah. You too. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.